Hello and welcome to another episode of the Live Immediately podcast with Mike Campbell. Thank you so much for listening. This is where I have conversations with people who are living life on their own terms. We dive into those big moments that have pushed them through the fears and self-limiting beliefs that hold so many of us back. Sometimes you can be on the conveyor belt of life and not realize it until it's too late. Or perhaps you're heading down a life path because you feel it is what you're supposed to be doing. We are told so often to get a good job, a 30-year mortgage, keep your head down, and then enjoy a handful of years when your hair is a little bit grayer and your body a little bit sore. We push all the things we truly want to do off to another day, later down the track, to a day that never really arrives. My guest today, Pat Sayrak, has decided to try something different. He has turned his back on the old Australian dream of home ownership shackled with a 30-year mortgage and is heading towards financial freedom and retirement before he is 40. The way Pat is doing this is through the stock market. But this podcast is not about shares and it's definitely not financial advice. So please do not take it that way. But Pat's way is simply just one way. What I love about how Pat is living his life and what this episode is all about is that Pat is thinking about how to live his life. He has taken himself off that mindless conveyor belt and is intentional with how he is choosing to live. Pat beautifully describes money as simply your life force converted into a tangible, physical thing that we give our life energy in exchange for money. And when you look at money this way, before you purchase something, even a house, you ask yourself, do I want to exchange my life energy for this item? What are you spending your life energy on? And does it align with your values? I hope you enjoy my conversation with Pat Sayrak. Hi, Pat. How are you? Oh, great, Mike. How about yourself? Mate, I'm really good. I'm really good. And, and thanks so much for jumping on the call. For, for everyone listening, Pat and I have been trying to have this, this chat for about the last three weeks. And it was a storm, I think, the first week. The next week was me getting my calendar wrong. And the week after, well, t- today, we've just had technical issues. So, mate, thanks so much for, for jumping on the call with me. Yeah, no worries at all. We've, we have had a few problems, but everything seems to be going pretty well tonight. So, Let's see how we go. Touchwood. And mate, you you run the website lifelongshuffler.com. And this is where you document your journey into early retirement. And when I say early, we're talking about before you hit 40. Like that's early. <laughs> yeah, it's um yeah, very early by sort of normal societal standards and that's probably why it's gotten a bit of attention. Um yeah. And, and, and I guess we're going to dive into to a lot of that th- through our chat today. But to start me off, like what is a shuffler or what is shuffling? <laughs> um, well, it was just kind of something I came with 
came up with kind of spur of the moment and I thought it would you know just tie into um having a sort of humorous theme to to my website and this sort of early retirement journey that I'm choosing to go on and so in short I I call myself a shuffler and it's just basically um you know changing or shuffling yeah. All the sort of negative or maybe not so so much negative, but the aspects of my life that are least efficient and least optimized and changing them to, you know, the most efficient and the most optimized um, choices that, that I know how to make myself. Yeah, I like that. I like that. You kind of see you, you, you've, you've been dealt the hand that you've got to play yeah. with, but you've decided to kind of shuffle that around and, and see whether there's a better way for you to play the hand. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> okay, cool. So it's your thing. I th- I thought that I was kind of missing out on some kind of movement here. <laughs> <laughs> no, unfortunately not. Um, maybe it's a movement in its infancy. <laughs> exactly. Well, you know what? We'll, we'll, <laughs> I'll get you back on later on when it when it is. But but mate, I absolutely love what you're doing, Pat. And and what I love most is that you're being intentional about how you're living life and you're thinking about your time and how you want to spend it and you're evaluating what's important to you and, and what you value. And and you're kind of, you're making changes to your daily life to make things happen. And I want to kind of go back a little bit because like what made you want to change your life around in the first place? Yeah, so I've, I'm 30 at the moment and I, Started full-time work, I think, when I was um, 23 or, or thereabouts. And, you know, every day I was, I was going into work and it really did just become a routine. And um, you kind of – I got lost in that routine. And, you know, some of us have, you know, good days or I should say all of us have good days and all of us have bad days um, at work and in our lives. But eventually it just became this sort of this drudgery, you know, every day just going in, going in. And I didn't really know why I was doing it or, or if I really wanted to do that with my life. Um, and, you know, you could maybe call it a quarter life crisis or, I, I mean, I don't call it that, but <laughs> <laughs> it just got to a point where it was like, you know, I could, you know, can, can I do something different? And, I sort of done all the research I could and I was like, you know, I, I do want my life to look different to what it is and I can see a path for me to get there. So I, I then decided that, you know, I'd, I'd try and take that path. So you talk about that, like that day-to-day drudgery of work, which, yeah. which so many of us feel like how, like why do you think we kind of all seem to get on that conveyor belt of just – going down that path yeah uh it's probably a really tough question I'm, I'm not sure if i'm too qualified to answer it um but yeah in my my opinion it's just uh you know social conditioning and um sort of even childhood conditioning and you know we we look you know to people around us and to our parents and to role models in our lives and see what they're doing and and we kind of form our worldviews based on what everyone around us is doing um and what most of the people around us just happen to be doing is you know working 40-year careers buying a house getting on a 30-year mortgage 
you know, along the way, you'll upgrade your car four or five times. You'll upgrade your mobile phone now, probably, you know, two dozen times or something. And we just kind of do this automatically almost. And I think most people do it like really quite automatically because um, that's just what everyone does. And I, yeah, I, I, that's all I can say. Like, like, like is, is that, is that a big part of it is kind of coming off that autopilot? Yeah, it, it definitely is. Um, because, you know, I talked about that 30 year mortgage and for all intents and purposes, it is, it's not even, um, you know, it's not even apparent that there is any other path than than that sort of thirty year mortgage and forty year career or fifty year career. Like, and it, you know, it took obviously took me a really you know what I'll, I'll say a long time to realize. You know, wait, actually, you know that that isn't the only sort of life path you can take. And you know, getting yourself off autopilot and then you know doing all that sort of research to find out if you know where where else you want to go with your life. And, and, and I guess too, like you spoke about there with, you know, we look at our parents or we, we, we look at people before us and, or even as children, people are guiding us and, and these people are doing this out of love and safety for us. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like there's no, there's no evilness about this. Do you think that times are changing or, or is it that as, as a, as a, a generation, people are just wanting something different. Yeah, I think that would be a really fair statement. Uh, I'm not sure how much the stereotype is true, but you, you often hear the stereotype about millennials kind of being not as interested, um, you know, not as focused and, you know, kind of wanting more, more different things out of life than what their parents' generation wanted, um, for example. Uh, and I can I can certainly see that in myself, um, and I suppose it also comes from, uh, you know, a, a position of of really extreme I'll, I'll call affluence. Um, mm. You know, my parents' generation, uh, you know, they a lot of um, them were immigrants and they came to this country, and they came from places where they were just looking for you know a safe, solid life and that was their sort of goal and what they were reaching for. And now we've come here as, and we're sort of this first generation or second generation or what you, whatever you are. And we're in this really, really, really affluent society. Like it's, it's unbelievably affluent. Um, there are of course um, pockets of that society, which, which are impoverished and, you know, they're not as, um, they don't have it as well off as the majority of us do. Um, you can only look at this, you know, society we live in objectively and say, look, for, for the majority of us, we're very rich, we're very healthy, we have every single thing we could possibly need. Um, so we we don't have to go and do what our um, the generation before us did where, you know, they kind of had to leave their home countries and come to Australia and build that solid foundation, um, which we now get to enjoy. And from this position, it's like, well, now, you know, we are here and it's like, well, actually, I can imagine, you know, a life that would be even better, um, in my opinion. And it'll be like, well, if I didn't actually have to work 40 years and I could take this different path, um, then, 
I can free myself from, you know, the sort of shackles of needing to work to earn an income. And then I can spend my time doing other things. And those other things may include earning an income or they may not. Um, but in the, at the end of the day, they'll be more, much more intentional, much more what I want to do. Even if, you know, I might get to the end of this whole journey, um, you know, get my, my number or whatever it is where I, I feel, you know, financially independent. And I might be like, well, actually, I just want to keep working. And then that'll be a much more honest position or a position where I'm, I'm more confident that it's a much more honest um, thing to do with my time because I know I'm doing it not for the money. Hmm. And you, you, you talk about this, like this different, this new life path. And, and you, yeah. said, you said earlier that, you know, you were, you were kind of on this conveyor belt of, of but not that you were on it, but you this yeah. quarter life crisis, and um, one path was kind of taking you to the thirty year mortgage, buying a house, and all of that kind of stuff. Yeah, but you could kind of see a potential way out of it. What was that path, and you know, I guess what I'm asking is like describe that path that you're taking out, and and what was it that you could see? Like, could you kind of see this? this this end goal or or is it more that the numbers don't lie yeah i think it was um it was certainly more that the numbers don't lie um and i i, I guess within that i guess you and i sorry to cut you off there pat uh, I, I i know um your story so when we talk about numbers yeah. don't lie i guess explain <laughs> to people what, what we mean by that yeah exactly so uh I, probably a bit of context as well i'm i'm an engineer um, working in Sydney and, you know, I, I have a certain enjoyment and a certain amount of um, time that I spend with spreadsheets and whatnot and I can use them quite effectively. Uh, and so when we talk about the numbers don't lie, it was just a matter of me kind of um, plotting out sort of my investments over time and um, seeing my income and, and flashes to um come up with more, uh, discretionary income or what, what's the word I'm looking for um, <laughs> above my base expenses, then I'd have a whole lot of additional income, which I wasn't, you know, just kind of wasting unintentionally and I could use that to invest. And so it was just a matter of, you know, working out how much I'm earning, how much I was able to save, how much I was able to invest, um, apply a whole lot of conservative um, growth, um, investment growth onto that savings plan over the course of five to 10 years. And, you know, you could see clearly that even, even with a conservative um, uh, portfolio or share market growth that I could reach an amount of money which would then provide me with enough income to live off perpetually adjusted for inflation. Okay, so uh, so, so uh, I'm just gonna, I'm just going to stop you there because using yeah using a, a, a lot of um, big words. Uh, yeah. So so I I guess with that, so what you're saying is that you're you're heading down instead of kind of owning your own home as such, you're yeah. looking into the share market, and Correct. and you're hoping to get to a number, and we we'll, we can discuss that terminology of a number um, a yeah. bit later on. But you're hoping to get to a, a certain number of of saving and investing so you're still going to be working and and investing your your money into the stock exchange that hopefully will give you a dividend or give you a 
a salary or a return that you yeah. can eventually live off. Yeah, that's correct. Yeah. And, and said much more clearly and eloquently than I tried a moment ago. <laughs> no, no, not at all. Not at all. It's, it's, I, I, just, I just need to kind of break that down for myself. But so, so with that, though, you know, there, there would be people listening that that would be like, the stock exchange is just something I don't get. Like, I don't understand. Like, how do I have to be a day trader? Do I need to follow those acronyms on the TV and think about what's going up and down like how like is that a job in itself or is there a, an element of <clears throat> investing and someone taking care of that or certain certain stocks that kind of take care of themselves yeah okay um so yeah this is um might be a bit technical but i'll try my best to to not let it become too technical um so investing in the share market or, or the best way I know how to invest and uh, a lot of you know, online research that I've read into and a lot of um, actual professionals have the same opinion is you know, just buy and hold for the long term. And you don't buy individual shares, but uh, you, you buy these passive index investing funds and these funds um basically they there's no active manager trying to manage all the money and move it around and buy different shares the the aim of these passive indexing funds is basically to just buy up the majority of of the market and so that way you get just the the absolute average return of the market over the long term um and so, and, so you're you're buying yeah. that you're buying the the average and and whether it's yeah. the, the top two hundred or top five hundred companies yeah. and and talking about that long term there it's kind of I guess riding the waves of the up and the down. Yeah, that's correct. Yeah, and and over the long term, if it fails, then it just means the whole market fails, which probably isn't going to happen. Well, yeah, exactly. Um, so the idea is, yeah, that you you buy the average and then. You with you, calculations have been done that you can withdraw a certain percentage of that per year, and that percentage is low enough that even during you know really bad market downturns or crashes, you will still um, succeed. Um, if you define success as you know still having a portfolio um, of the same size within thirty, forty, or fifty years. Got you, and and you spoke about a number and yeah. and in this space that that we we're dealing with a number is individual to everybody and please correct me if i'm wrong here it's individual to everyone but it's a number that they feel they need to achieve so that they can have retirement yeah that's um that's pretty correct um there are certain people in this community that aren't necessarily going for retirement. They're just going for the financially independent half of it and they fully plan to continue working after they've achieved that. So, so then what's the difference between financially independent and retirement? Yeah, for, so financially independent is having enough money that you could stop work and you'd be financially okay, but you just choose, you choose to continue your full-time work anyway because 
I don't know, you might love it so much that you couldn't dream of leaving that particular job. Cool. And, and, and so, so with you, how did you kind of come to your number or, or how could, how could people listening potentially come to their number? Yeah. So you, yeah, the, the basic premise is that you have to work out how much you need to live comfortably. Um, and this, the way that I did it was, you know, looking at how much I spend at the moment. Um, and that's, and adding, you know, whatever changes you feel are necessary um, or that you're going to experience in the future to that. So, uh, <clears throat> at the moment, I, you know, I went through all my bank statements and we're like, okay, I'm spending this much. And then oh, how much of that can I cut away? Because I don't feel like it's, you know, money I want to be spending in those. Years. And then I, you know, I cut those away. And then after a few more months or after a year and look at my spending and it's like, yeah, okay, this is the amount of income per year that I need to, live what I feel is a, you know, a, a comfortable and happy life. And then taking that number and the kind of rule of thumb or the, the cheat way to do this is you just times that yearly um, income or yearly expense by 25 and that will give you your total portfolio value that you need to um, achieve that income per year um, into perpetuity. Got you. And – <laughs> and I guess with so, so in in a sense there we we figure out how much we need to live and we times it by twenty five and that potentially could be our number in a yeah correct a basic round round way well that's great thanks for that um <laughs> and, and, and but I guess like when you're talking about the way that you want to live yeah like did you know and, and I guess living into your values and what's important like. Sometimes we always chase in this society that we live in is that that more that latest thing you spoke there earlier about maybe upgrading our cars five to seven times, upgrading our phones 24 times. But do we really need to do that? But each time we do that, it costs money and we need yeah. to work for that money. We need to give up our time for that money. Yeah. So is a lot of that involved with what you're doing as well? It's kind of like paring down and really assessing what's important. Yeah. Um, Absolutely. Uh, kind of look at all those things uh, that you're perhaps spending money on at the moment and just really scrutinizing them. Like, you know, do I actually want this? Do, do I need this? Do I want to? Is it bringing any value into my life? How do I feel about having this item with me? How do I feel about maintaining it? How do I feel about transporting it around with me when I move? You know, all of these things that probably should be asked when we make any um, purchases or purchases of material possessions. But, you know, perhaps uh, where a lot of us don't make um, those sort of go through that thought process. Uh, and the same with sort of other other things which are not necessarily material possessions, you know, could cost you a lot of money. It's like, is this, do I really want, want this? Am I spending this money um, on, on something that I value? And, I think a kind of key distinction here is, you know, some people may think of this as, as being stingy or, you know, focusing too much on the money. Um, when, when you make the realization that sort of money is just your, your life force converted into a tangible physical thing, then it, it becomes a whole lot clearer because that's all money is for most of us um, at the moment with just 
when we don't have passive income. It's literally all of our energy, all of our creativity, all of our, our time converted into and if you think of it like that money is interchangeable with your life mm. and so when you spend it you you kind of i be really sure that what i'm spending you know my life energy on is something that i i care about and something i value it's so true like when you talk about it as life energy yeah it it it, it so it just drills it down like do you want to be spending your life energy on that thing yeah, precisely. And that's sort of the easiest sort of transition or mental hack that someone can make to kind of really focus on what they're spending their money on. Well, I've just written that down, man. I've, I've, I've never thought of it that way. That was, that was brilliant. But like, I, I guess like growing up, like, you know, you and I were Australians, you know, I, I, you live in Sydney. I was originally from Sydney. Yeah. And I guess as Australians, like owning your own home, and whether you spent you're paying it off for thirty years doesn't matter. But owning your ho- your own home has been ingrained in us as the Australian dream. Yeah, was was that a hard thing to separate yourself from? To go, you know what? For me, it's not about owning a home. Like, like to co- kind of go against that grain. Uh I don't actually think it was that hard for me to be honest, Mike. Uh, <laughs> uh. I'd I'd never emotionally invested in the idea of of owning a home and the sort of the finances around it in and around Sydney just kind of drove me more more away from it um as the years marched on. And I was like, yeah, eventually got to the point where I wasn't emotionally invested in it. The finances didn't make sense to me and um, I I found that I had other options, and so and so. So when when you talk about that, um, what you're gonna what you need to spend, and times it by twenty five within that yeah. uh, within that number of what it costs you to live, is yeah. are you including rent into that? I am, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Cool. And and I I guess this that you know we're talking about the kind of the status quo here a little bit, and and life yeah. life's been engineered you know, since we've been young that we've kind of been speaking about. And and I guess since it's been ingrained in us for so long, it, it kind of feels safe for a lot of people. It, like whether we're on that treadmill or not, owning the home, just doing yeah. the 30 years, working somewhere for 40 years, whatever. It, there's normality or maybe blind faith. It kind of feels safe for people. How, how do you bring elements of that safeness into the way that you're living life now? Uh, yeah, that's, that's a really good question. Um, I would, I would like to say uh, perhaps that, you know, the position that I'm in, it's, it's, you know, what I'll call a financially strong position. Um, whereas, you know, someone who is in that 30 year mortgage who, you know, is, you know, just trying to make those repayments and then cover all of their weekly or fortnightly expenses, um, you know, I'd say that, you know, obviously some people are doing really well for themselves, but there is a certain level of population that's kind of living on a knife's edge. It's like they're making their repayments and they're able to live comfortably, but, you know, there's there's not a lot of other money um, anywhere else. But you know what? So, and I don't have the statistics to back me up here. However, that group of people that you're talking about, I think in Australia here is yeah. – 
is a large group of people and it has nothing to do with your yearly income. Yeah, do, exactly. do you know what I mean? Like I feel that there's a lot of people on that knife's edge and, and w whether that is kind of because they're, and I, sh I shouldn't just, I shouldn't say they as in this group of people, but like, no. because th there are some people and, and this was me previously that just didn't think about when I bought things. Yeah. Do you know what exactly. I mean? And, and, and this is kind of one of the things that I love about what you're doing is that, no, I'm not saying that the way that you're doing it is the right way for everybody. Yeah. But it, it, you're, you're intentional and you're thinking about that it's the way. Like the same guy who goes out there and, and invests in property and has five properties and, and does it that way. Or the person who, who, mm. who owns 20 things and travels around the world. Yeah. In a backpack. Like they're, they're thinking about it. And I think, I think that for me is one of the things I really love what you're doing. You're thinking about <laughs> it. Yeah, exactly. And you're, you're absolutely right. Um, you know, this, what I'm doing isn't necessarily correct or right for everyone. Um, but it, the sort of premise behind it, which is just, you know, finding what you value and, and being intentional with how you get to where you want to get in life. Um, and that's applicable to, to absolutely anyone. And like talking about values and I, I, you know, yeah. we're kind of going a bit deep here, but what are those things that, that are close to you that you do value? Yeah. So I probably, you know, value my, my sleep and my free time. <laughs> <laughs> um, Millennials. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Millennials. <laughs> um, you know, I've, I value cooking, cooking a meal for myself without being so rushed that I have to get it done within half an hour and then get the cleaning done within a half hour. I, I value seeing my friends and family. So there's more stuff that people can relate to. Mm. And, you know, I, I value my time such that, you know, I'm not spending hours commuting to and from work every day, um, that I can kind of use that energy and that creativity to do other things, which... Uh, you know, which I am really interested in, kind of like the blog, you know, real interest project, just, you know, punching out articles on there and that's all, you know, uh, you know, I could be doing this um, instead of, uh, you know, wasting all my time doing other things which are enjoyable and which are things I like to do, but doing them for 50, 60 hours a week, I think, isn't, doesn't lend itself to a, a balance of how I'd like to balance it. Mm. And yeah. you, you spoke about friends and family there, and we've also kind of spoken about saving money or frugality or essentially like living within your means. And, and that plays a big part of, of your idea being kind of possible, which we've touched on. But when, when we talk about being frugal and I use that as a positive word, yeah. but how, how's that being kind of socializing with your friends whilst kind of being frugal? Yeah, so it's been really easy. Um, and this is, yeah, I might get a, a bit technical again um, here, <laughs> which I know you weren't, you weren't intending for it to be. But with, uh, you know, all of our expenses, you'll find that, or the vast majority of us, our 
80% of our money goes to like accommodation, transportation, and food. Um, so if you can sort those three out, you've, you've kind of, you've already done most of the work. And so going out with your friends and spending, you know, $50 a weekend or, you know, spending $50 twice a week, it doesn't, it doesn't really register on the scale so much. Um, at the end of the year, you might spend an extra $4,000 just going out socializing. And once you've really optimized how you, how your accommodation is sorted, really optimized your transportation and really optimized your, your food, everything else is just icing on the cake if you can save it as well. Um, and so how I like to, you know, deal with the whole issue of being social is, you know, just go out, have the dinners with your friends because that's what your friends like doing and have, you know, the, the cafe meals and, you know, go out at night if they like going to bars and clubs. Um, and most of the time that won't even register on, on the scale. You might end up spending a few extra thousand dollars per year, but once, once you're already saving, you know, 80% or sorry, not saving 80%, once you already, you know, optimized 80% of your other expenses, it doesn't matter too much. Um, Okay, I'm going to get even more technical with you here. So, so, yeah. so pretty much what you're saying is that those those smaller items that, like, often we 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 hear, you know, don't buy a takeaway coffee because it's going to cost you fifteen hundred dollars a year. Um, yeah. You know, limit the amount of uh, lunches you got to buy, and I guess those things they're yeah. daily things. What you're talking about is maybe the weekly things that you, you're doing with friends. But but what you yeah. what you're kind of really saying there is that if you can get your accommodation in order or or down as low as possible, if yeah. you can get your transport in order as low as possible, and then if you can get your food in order, yeah. those those other things yeah. aren't aren't they, that big. Yeah, precisely. Um, now I I I I would still. Um, just say like, you know, still focus on what you value. So for example, you mentioned like, you know, getting a coffee at work and taking, um, you know, bringing perhaps going out to eat for lunch every day. Well, you know, do I really value getting, you know, takeaway barista coffees and, you know, just having, um, random, whatever it is you get during lunch at work, like whatever's nearby basically. Um, and the answer is no, but I do value like spending and socializing and spending time with my friends. And that just happens to involve maybe getting a coffee or maybe getting some food. And so that's, that's where I'd spend my money. And like I said, if you, if you do that, it doesn't really register on the, the full year scale, but if you start just, um, you know, buying lunch every day and then buying coffee every day and you think it's really small, then it will add up mm. really big over time. Yeah. And I, I guess since, since making these changes in your life, how have other areas in your life changed? Um, yeah, I've, I've, and you're going to love this, Mike, but I've kind of simplified, you know, the clutter around my house. I've really gotten onto, you know, selling stuff I don't need anymore. Um, and that's made a whole lot more more space in, in my living area. Um, and yeah, I can't think of much else to be honest. 
<laughs> and, and you know, you're a millennial, not that I love using that term, but yeah. you know, you're in your thirties and correct me if I'm wrong, but you don't have any kids. I do not have any kids. Got you. So, and I hate asking this question because I used to hate it when people asked me this question, but are, yeah. are kids in your plan? Um, I'll say that kids are not excluded from my plan. They're not excluded. <laughs> so so with, with, with people, a lot of parents listen yeah. to my podcast. And I guess putting kids into this equation, does yeah. d is the only addition, I guess, with kids is that your living expense per year goes up. So when you times that by 25, that number goes up because obviously you got – more rooms you need or more mouths to feed and things like that. Is that, is that pretty much the only change? Uh, I, I, mm, I'd certainly say, yeah, that um, living expenses go up um, and certainly priorities change. So whereas I can, you know, be really focused on my work and do overtime and do all that sort of stuff, you know, um, parents have to pay, play much more of a balancing act than, than I even have to consider. Um, but yeah, other than, than those two areas, um, I can't think of too much to be honest. And, and how, how did your parents react when you told them, mum, <laughs> dad, thanks so much for all of the opportunities that you've given me, but you can have, yeah. the, you can have these shackles back. <laughs> well, my mom was a little frightened to begin with. Um, you know, my dad was kind of okay with the whole thing. Uh, but yeah, I don't, I don't think they're, they're too worried about me. They kind of know that I'm strong willed and they can give me advice till the sun comes home. But, um, yeah, um, <laughs> they're, they're fine with it. They're, um, tolerating it and I don't know if they believe that I'm going to go through with it or not um, but I, I yeah I've been very honest with them about it and open and so well the worst case scenario yeah. is that you're working hard now instead yeah. of going out every night and you're building it yeah. you're building a share portfolio well yeah exactly and that's what I I kind of like to say as well it's like well I've got this plan, you know, sometimes plans don't go, you know, things don't go according to plan, but you know, if things don't, then what's, what's, what's the outcome? I work a few extra years and I, I've set myself up really well financially. Happy days. Yeah. <laughs> Mate, you know, I've got, I've got one final question for you, Pat, and it's one that I do ask all of my guests and that's if you yeah. could please describe your perfect day. My perfect day. So I would probably wake up at 6.30, but because I'm not going to work, I won't like hit snooze three times and I won't roll around. I'll, I'll actually get up at 6.30 <laughs> and I'll have a coffee and a small breakfast. I'll go for a run um, in the morning or do some sort of other physical activity or exercise. I'll come back home. Not sure if my girlfriend will be awake yet or not. I'll, I'll probably leave that up to her, but if she's not awake, I'll surprise her with a breakfast. 
And then after I've done the breakfast, I might blog for a few hours. Then I might ride my bicycle to go see a friend. And then if it's a completely normal day and I've, you know, I haven't got any events or any travel planned or anything like that, I'll ride my bicycle to the grocery store, pick up some food, ride home, cook a nice meal, have wine, and then finish my day like that. <laughs> Sounds pretty good. Sounds pretty good. And so beautifully simple, which is definitely the common thread with every answer to, to that question. But Pat, mate, I, again, thank you so much for your time and and your work. And, and, and as I've said before, like I absolutely love that you're just thinking about the way that you want to live your own life. And what I really appreciate is that you are spending the time to write about it, to create content, to help people, to maybe steer people down a particular direction, even if it's not the same direction as your direction, but just getting people to think about their own life. So mate, like, thank you so much for that. And if people do want to kind of reach out to you and, and follow what you do, what, what's the best way for them to do that? Yeah. So just go to the website, um, lifelongshuffle.com. I do have like Facebook and Twitter, but really it's all the actions on my website. I, I spend most of my time there. I answer most of the comments there and um, that's kind of where I try and drive people. So uh, yeah, that's, that's where I'd send them. And thanks. Thanks for all your comments. Yeah. Yeah. Probably too kind. <laughs> no, no, I'm not. No, we'll definitely make sure I'll link to the website and also your socials and all that kind of stuff in the show notes at liveimmediately.com. But is, is there anything that I've left out or anything that you want to add? No, I think we've had a pretty good conversation, Mike. Um, I think we've had a pretty good one too, Pat. <laughs> <laughs> okay. no, it's It's been good, mate. Really, it really has. So thanks again and, and thank you everyone for listening. And until next time, have fun and live immediately. That was another episode of the Live Immediately podcast with Mike Campbell. Thanks so much for listening. The original Live Immediately theme music is by the multi-talented Timothy McPhee. You can check out his music at firekites.bandcamp.com. If you enjoyed the show, had some fun, and maybe even learned something, then make sure you subscribe via iTunes. And while you're there, why not leave a rating and a review? You know it's going to make my day. Thanks for stopping by and giving me some of your time today. I'll catch you on the next episode. And until then, have fun and live immediately.